0: to answer your question what did I, I, I
1: would I, the question was like how would you define
0: it how would I define it yeah. okay so I would define it basically as I was trying to state they are probably not so eloquently is that it's a it's a group of Greek students at the university of alabama which i believe our greek community is probably one of the largest if not the largest in the united states and so it's a large group of people
1: mm-hmm.
0: that are basically aligned in, this, in the fact that they're a member of a greek organization you know they organize to influence student life at the university
1: I asked this question over and over again to people I interviewed. How would you define the machine? That was Lee Garrison's answer. Garrison attended the University of Alabama in the 1990s and helped revive the Student Government Association, which had been suspended in 1993 after Minda Riley said she was attacked during a campaign for president. Lee was elected to the Tuscaloosa City Council in 1997 when he was still a student. The results of that campaign ended up in court with allegations that Lee used the power of the machine to herd ineligible student voters to the polls. The judge upheld Lee's victory. In Lee's opinion, the machine is just another special interest group nothing nefarious or sneaky. I'm Amy Jurkinen, and you're listening to Greek Gods, a podcast about the machine, a shadowy group that controls campus politics at the University of Alabama. On this episode, we'll hear from Lee and other members.
2: And I'm your co-host, John Archibald. I'm a columnist at AL.com and Reckon. Here's my definition of the machine. It's an elite group of elite people who have controlled student life on and off campus for more than a century that has groomed students for success in the real world, for success in politics, and for generations of when it all costs deceit. Another definition comes from Keely Mallory. She resigned from the elections board in 2017.
3: After my time on the elections board, I can say with absolute certainty that the machine is a thing. How I would describe them is basically their main purpose is to keep the the Greek system kind of at the forefront of politics or policy on campus and in and of that that definition, that's not necessarily wrong. The problem with the machine comes is the secrecy, the fact that they don't want to say they are a group, they won't register like all the other student groups on campus who do have a specific agenda. They say hidden and they let a lot of different factors influence it, but a lot of their behavior and practices are deemed illegal as we've seen, seen this past election especially but I would say they're just a group that tends to think they're above the rules and will do whatever they can to get their candidate in office.
4: A coercive and oppressive organization designed to be a voting bloc. However its tactics and the way that they treat its members, that's not simply a voting block. When you have people in sororities, you have to verify your voting after you submit it. You know, that's pressuring people to vote. That's offering gift cards or cases of beer or free whatever to your members after they vote that's not fair, and that's not, that's not just a voting block.
1: There's so much more to it to that. In the first episode, we met two young women vying to become SGA president at the University of Alabama. The third candidate, Price McGiffert, said in a public debate he was not supported by any certain organization at the University of Alabama when asked whether he was backed by the machine. For a long time, it wasn't necessarily clear the machine was even a thing. Reporters at the Crimson White had been trying to expose it as a political force since the 1930s. But members refused to acknowledge its existence. That's changed in recent years. A 1992 expose in Esquire named Theta Nu Epsilon the most powerful fraternity in America. More and more students now acknowledge the presence of a Greek-led voting bloc, though they disagree on its virtues. Here's Steve Flowers, a former state representative and political columnist who attended the University of Alabama in the late '60s and early '70s.
5: And its inception, it was a, it was a, I don't want to use the word clandestine, but it was underground. It was, it was, it was not pronounced. Over the years, the uh, crimson and white, the, the student newspaper, and as well as state papers, I mean, a lot, normal al.com has, have done stories about the machine. So it's really no more than just a political party now. I mean, it's been exposed so much, there's no privacy to it. it, it, it there were still some clandestine meetings, and clandestine is not the right word, I'd say private meetings, uh, political party meetings, if you will.
1: So so were you a machine rep, or were you- a- Well, that's a good
5: question. I, I, I'm not gonna answer that one. I, you, you, there is a, still a sort of privacy, whether you were, the, I'll tell you the concept, though, when I arrived in 1969, you automatically are a member of the Machine by being a member of a fraternity. I was a member of the Sigma Nu fraternity, which was a prominent political fraternity, mostly from guys from southeast Alabama. But uh, Machine would, would obviously observe someone who had been involved in politics, who had a possible political career, not only on campus, but in the future. And there were two representatives from each Machine house, and that may still be the way it works. Theta New Epsilon is the name of the fraternity. And so you, those two members would go, what they call, going downstairs. And they would meet in the basement of Fraternity House and they'd have a big board. And they would pick every race in the SGA offices and they'd p-
2: pick one candidate. Theta Nu New Epsilon emerged around the same time as other secret societies, such as Skull and Bones at Yale. It spread to the University of Alabama in 1915, the same year the school started its Student Government Association. Lister Hill of Montgomery was the machine's first president. A political prodigy who graduated at 20 with undergraduate and law degrees, he also became the first president of the Student Government Association. Alabamians elected him to Congress and the U.S. Senate, where he served for more than 30 years. To its supporters, the machine serves as a proving ground for political talent. Opponents say it teaches student politicians how to cheat, lessons they take into the real world of Alabama politics.
1: Lee Garrison moved from student politics to professional politics in his senior year of college. His story picks up where the last one left off. After a string of high-profile shenanigans in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, administrators shut down the Student Government Association. Lee Garrison helped resurrect the SGA. The machine came back with it. Lee said it's a political interest group, sort of like a PAC or a political party, and it's secret in part because college kids like to have fun. As Lee ascended to city politics in his senior year, he was accused of using the machine to get student voters registered into the polls, even those who weren't eligible. But Lee dismisses accusations of voter fraud.
0: I believe uh, uh, enough evidence has been put out, you know, to believe that uh, the organ, the, the, it exists. Okay. And so, I'm not going to say I'm a member of it or I was a member of it, but I can tell you that I organized a lot of like-minded individuals that to, to be elected to the city council. It was in the summertime, so students weren't even there. So, I mean, no, it wasn't the machine that got me elected, okay? It was my campaign team of my friends that organized, you know? So you know, at the end of the day, back to the fact that the, of the machine, is that, yeah, I, I believe, you know, Greek organizations, like-minded organizations, you know, organize.
1: The machine and the Greeks never controlled him, he said. Lee also had another point to make. Opponents of the machine have often fought secrecy with secrecy. Underground societies for independence exist to this day. These days, it's Argentum a coalition of independents tapped in secret to advance their own campus vision. Other groups formed in the past, and they are often just as shadowy and unaccountable as the machine.
0: You know, whether it be the machine or the mallet assembly or on campus, you've got all these various factions of students that gather to support candidates over the last hundred years. Okay, so translate that to the typical Alabama or, or, or national, Democrat or Republican. Yeah, you have to have groups, whether they have labels or not, to support certain candidates to, that support certain views. But I, I've never believed that, okay, yeah, you, I guess you have to figure out where you're going to align yourself. But that doesn't mean you're owned or just beholden to every belief.
1: Lee was born and raised in Tuscaloosa. His dad owned a business, and the two often talked about local politics. As a student, Lee said he thought the city should improve the rundown blocks around campus. So he decided to run for city council.
0: Rallied a bunch of students, you know, most of them Greek because I was in the Greek community. We registered uh, uh, thousands of them to to vote. The census that is uh, done every 10 years has been counting college students where they go to college since the 70s. The law was very clear. You know, as long as they lived in a residence for X amount of days, they could register to vote here instead of, Houston, Texas or wherever they came from, 99% of students when they leave home to come to college don't go back home to live with mom and dad. So this is their next home. And I try to convince them that they needed to register to vote here so that they would have a voice here, whether they were here for four years or even if law school or grad school, seven years, they're here for that amount of time. And they need to influence this community in a positive way. So we registered them to vote. Uh, We got them to the polls um, and we won.
1: His opponent in that election was the former editor of the Tuscaloosa News, Don Brown. Here's his wife, Hannah Brown.
6: At first it was even hard to take him seriously, but but then you had to take the machine seriously. And so I, I never thought that Lee won that race, it was the machine put him in.
1: Don contested the results of the election, but a judge ultimately ruled against him. Lee remained on the city council until 2013. He said he wasn't surprised that Don filed a lawsuit against him.
0: And of course, I had a court trial for six months and I paid that out of my pocket. And you know, for a job that paid $20,000 a year, I had like $45,000 in legal bills right out of college. Judge Bernard Harwood, who went on to be on the Supreme Court, he, he heard the case and they put 200 and something students on the stand and, you know, grilled them about their residency. And at the end of the day, they found a few of them that, you know, probably shouldn't have, you know, voted, although we couldn't control that. We made sure that we let them know the rules.
1: Don and Hannah Brown stayed in Tuscaloosa in a neighborhood near campus. They've seen generations of students cycle in and out of the city, and they worry about what they learn from campus politics. I think it
6: teaches corruption, you know. It teaches you that belonging to this tight little group is going to get you to be governor of Alabama or whatever your ambitions are. and You don't have to do it through all the reasonable channels. I I really think it does. It certainly doesn't teach you about democracy. And that was something that Lee, Garrison, I don't think to this day he understands democracy.
1: The machine quickly returned to dominance. By the early 2000s, the system had a vice grip on student elections. Emmalina Vicki started school in 2003 and joined a sorority. She became president of her pledge class, but soon after, she launched a campaign for student senate against the wishes of her house's machine rep. The machine retaliated. According to Emmeline, they told her sorority sisters to freeze her out. Then she started receiving threats.
7: Yeah, I mean, that was the, one of the hardest parts, I think, was, you know, being told that the machine rep had a meeting with my pledge class without me there. and telling my pledge class that it's in their best interest to not interact with me, not associate with me, not speak to me. And I mean, some of these people like Lindsay Raw, one of my pledge sisters, I grew up with, you know, from the time I was in like first grade. And so, of course, she was like, this is crazy. No one's going to abide by that. But I mean, a lot of people did. And, you know, as like a little 18 year old, you know, approval of others, particularly people who you thought your friends is such an important thing that, you know, that was a pretty big blow. You know, it, it hurt without question. But I think the other aspect of it was a little a bit scarier, which was, you know, the threats like the phone calls at night. You may have read that article. Yeah. You don't want to act with us, you know, getting phone calls like that and then having my car blocked in when I, you know, drove around campus and parked it for a minute. You know, things like that were a bit more scary.
1: Emmeline transferred to Duke after her freshman year. Her campaign manager, Emily Lumpkin, stayed another year, but it was hard. During that time, she told her story to a reporter at the student newspaper.
7: I remember being
4: out there campaigning and this article coming out, and and everybody sort of campaigns in the same area. And so all the machine candidates were out there. And I mean, it was exciting, but it was also tense. And there's a history of, of violence and aggression with the machine. And so you just never know what somebody's willing to do or capable of. So I remember being kind of like simultaneously excited and afraid.
7: You know, I said earlier that once it started, it never really stopped. Even if it was just in my mind, it never stopped because I became paranoid, but it didn't. And I realized that, you know, I had other things that I was going to do with my life and staying at the University of Alabama where I couldn't really continue to just be who I, who I was and grow and, you know, become a better leader and just feel confident in who I was. You know, I needed
1: to go. The experiences we have as teenagers and young adults often shape the people we become. This is more than just kid stuff. Both Emily and Emmeline realized the machine enforced strict codes of exclusion based on race and wealth, which damaged plenty of students who never received a single threat. Emmeline lost her taste for politics soon after she left Alabama.
7: I do also, Amy, think that this whole experience is. A lot of the reason why I decided not to go into law and not to go into politics and why to go into, you know, to go into medicine and women's health, because to me, this just sort of exposed all of the like puppeteering politics and how, you know, to take Lumpkin's word, unjust things are. And it really made me want to have just a hands-on impact on people who, regardless of what they look like, regardless of their ability to pay or how much they make, you know, that those types of things became very important to me and a lot more real to me based on this
1: experience. The machine's influence extends off campus and has run all the way to the State House and Congress in the past. And nowhere is that clearer than in Tuscaloosa
8: politics. My name's Kelly Horowitz, and from 2009 to 2013, I was a member of the Tuscaloosa City Board of Education for District 4. In
1: 2013, Lee Garrison announced a run for the Tuscaloosa City School Board. He was running with a slate of candidates that included recent University of Alabama graduate Kason Kirby, who set his sights on Kelly's District 4 seat. The local Chamber of Commerce waded into the race and supported Lee, Kayson Kirby, and several other challengers. More money flowed into the campaign than any other in the history of the Tuscaloosa City School Board. Kelly, the incumbent, said Garrison and Kirby recycled the same tactics used by the machine back in the 90s. Emails and messages went around to all the fraternity and sorority houses aligned with the machine. Katie Smith, a member of Alpha Omicron Pi, blew the whistle and brought the emails to Kelly's attention. and Kirby did not respond to requests for
8: comment. You need to go and vote for and Kirby and Lee Garrison. You need to get an I Voted sticker. You need to come back and put it on this sheet next to your name so that I know that you voted. And when you do, you'll get a wristband that allows you to go to these two local bars for free drinks. Katie just saw that as completely improper, um, as well as the sorority houses had signs out for Case and Kirby, which uh, apparently was contrary to the university's own rules about political campaigning.
1: Lee Garrison had a different take on the campaign. Students who reside in Tuscaloosa should be eligible to vote in its elections. Of
0: course we organized and i organized as many greeks even though i was almost 20 years out of school i tried to go behind knocked on sorority doors and guess what my opponent did too and that's what doesn't get told in a lot of these stories is that Case and kirby's opponent and my opponent campaigned at the sorority houses and the fraternity houses as well we saw them in there so at the end of the day don't be a hypocrite i mean we were all trying to get as many votes as we could to win the race
1: Blocking students from voting is no better than blocking any other group of people, he said.
0: Students, as long as they're registered 30 days, 10 days before the election and have lived where they're living at least 30 days, are legally uh, able to vote. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the end of the day, don't disenfranchise a voter. You're violating their civil rights. Now it's being flipped on you. You're the one doing wrong.
1: Horwitz said 11 student voters registered at the same address. All day long, limousines shuttled college students to the polls. The scene was dramatically different from her first race in
8: 2009. There was one young woman who showed up, went up to sign in, and you apparently read the paperwork that goes along with what's entailed with the provisional ballot and all the legalities, et cetera. She reads all this, she turns around and leaves. She comes back five or 10 minutes later, escorted by two of her sorority sisters, shaking. Signs back in and gets her provisional ballot. (laughs) So that's that gives you a sense of it wasn't business as usual. It wasn't just, you know, these kids wanted to get civically involved in this school board election that they were so enthralled by and felt passionately about. I mean, they were in some cases literally marched to the polls and told what to do.
1: Kelly didn't run again in 2017 when Casen's term ended. Many of those who clash with the machine lose the taste for politics. Do students at Alabama learn the wrong lessons about politics from the machine? Does it teach them tolerance for scandal and dirty tricks, which have dogged professional politics in Alabama for years?
8: I was a member of a Greek organization at a different university. I said, it doesn't have to be this way. I, at my sorority, there were people who were Democrats or people who are Republicans. They'd stand up in chapter and they'd announce their meetings. They'd promote their candidates. There was none of this, you can only think one way view of politics. And there was none of this um, indoctrination that this is how it works, that it involves coercion. You know, you have to corrupt the process in order to get ahead. As I say, I I worked on Capitol Hill for seven years. You know, I've seen a lot of things about politics, and nothing compares with the corruption that is taken for granted here in Alabama. She worries about the corruption taught to teenagers
1: here in Alabama, the kinds of lessons that aren't typically included on a political science syllabus.
8: This is a time when they're supposed to be young and idealistic. This is as good as it gets, you know? Like, they're not supposed to be cynical at the age of 22 or totally corrupted. So if they start out like this, then is it any surprise that our state politics, time and time again, sees one leader after another fall to corruption?
1: Lee dismisses those concerns. The machine he described operates more like a political organization than an organized crime syndicate.
0: There have been several stories before 1996, and there's been several stories after 1996. And I'm not saying that they didn't happen. I don't know. But all I know, I didn't see it happen. And, and if it, whatever, if it did happen, it's not right.
1: Students learn from the machine, Lee said. But it's not dirty tricks and coercion. They just figure out the best way to run a competitive campaign.
0: You know, people can condemn Greek organizations for organizing. But at the end of the day, you ought to look back and go, well... We could do the same thing and it has happened before and, and, the, and, and other, organiza- other uh, groups have come together and organized with great leaders, great ideas, great organization and, and won and beat the Greeks yeah. at their own game and you know what, shake their hand.
1: Politics at the University of Alabama is just like politics in the real world. It may be one of the few universities in America where student elections actually matter. What
0: we're really ultimately talking about, and this is why I have kind of take my position on Greeks organizing, you can call it the machine, you can call it Greeks organizing, you can call it whatever you want to, but at the end of the day, it's about organization and it's about exposure to life. In real life, You can learn what real-life politics is by being at the University of Alabama and being involved in politics on campus at the University of Alabama. That's real life. The training ground that that creates hopefully more positive than negative but at least it's real.
1: Real politics in the real world sometimes gets ugly and it does at Alabama too.
0: Students are coming, they want to get an education, they want to meet people, Uh, they want to build relationships and You know, teaching them what it's like in real life about politics and getting organized, which, frankly, the Greek organization, whether you want to call it the machine, whatever, it does it. It gives them, it lays it out there in real life instead of a fantasy world. And hopefully everybody's respectful, but I mean, the real world is rough, especially the real world of politics is rough. And the real world of business is rough. And the real world of marriage is not, it's tough. I mean, it's life. And so I think, frankly, throwing, at 20, 18 years old, I want to go somewhere where, and throw me in the briar patch.
2: The briar patch doesn't agree with all students. Alex Smith joined a sorority her freshman year and promptly started leveraging that into a campaign for SGA Senate. At first, her experience with the machine seemed innocent.
4: Once I expressed my interest in running for the Senate seat, I gave uh, my, rep, my House representative reached out to me um, and she was like, you know, what are you thinking you're wanting to do? Do you want to pursue a Senate seat? Do you want to apply for a committee? What's your next step? I was like, you know, I'm really interested in running for Senate. I loved getting to do legislation in first year council. And she was like, OK, give me your resume. I'm going to submit it and see what happens. Let's see if you get backed.
1: She did get backed and rode the support to victory in an easy campaign.
4: You know, official campaigning began and I was just told to make a Facebook page. You know, I expressed, you know, should I be going out speaking to students, what should my platform be, which is kind of very, you know, pick, pick, some, pick three topics that you're kind of passionate about. Um, they were just very surface level, honestly, it wasn't too, anything too in depth. So I did that, made my Facebook page and had a little graphic and things like that, but didn't do any serious campaigning. And so election day rolls around and the day afterwards we get our results back and I had gotten one of the Senate seats for College of Arts and Sciences. And so there I was, I was just in Senate after that.
2: Earlier this year, someone leaked a copy of the machine constitution. It's impossible to verify its authenticity beyond doubt, but it lays out how the system works. Representatives pledge an oath of secrecy. Breaking it can result in expulsion from the group. One of the officers, the Guardian, polices the group for leaks and breaches of secrecy. The president is called brother or sister Nux. They also have a designated role called the propagandist in charge of internal and external messaging. Violating the secrets of the group can result in fines against member houses, exclusion from student government offices, or suspension. Membership has fluctuated over time as sororities and fraternities come and go.
4: My understanding is that all the sororities on campus, aside from MPHC, are members. Now for the fraternities, there's a couple such as ATO and SEGEP that are not members and I think there's a couple of others that are not members as well. So don't know all of them off the top of my head, but I know not every single house on campus is a part of it.
1: Throughout the campaign, Alex kept in touch with the machine reps from her house. Reps meet to hash out which candidates get backed for office. So
4: each house in the machine has two representatives, and there's a, a junior rep and a senior rep. So it skips two classes, but you basically, the senior rep in your house is the one that's kind of over everything. And that's who you go through to submit your applications or to throw your name in to see if you can get the machine backing.
1: Alex said she soon faced pressure to fall in line and support fellow Greeks, even at the expense of independent friends who marched with her in the band.
4: Most of the time, I know when I, whenever I got my order, so to speak, my rep would always send me screenshots of like the email. She would just cut out, you know, the, t- the to and from, and just put, you know, resolution seven vote no or resolution eight vote yes type thing. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of communication.
1: Alex eventually broke the cardinal rule of the machine. She spoke about it. In an editorial in The Crimson White, she renounced their support. Because houses faced serious repercussions for leaking information about the machine, she got shunned by some of her former sorority sisters.
4: Definitely the breaking point was when a piece of legislation was proposed kind of from the independent side to bring the machine above ground. And I guess I was just kind of at that point of, Why is this thing, you know, why isn't it legitimate, you know, why for a hundred years has it been, and I don't, I don't necessarily think the secrecy is the bad part of it as much as the tactics that they use, you know, the way I was spoken to and the way I was treated, you know, being told to fall in line, that I could freely express how I was feeling or my concerns or support who I just wanted to support because I thought they were the best candidate. So it was things like that, you know, I just saw the injustices that were happening around me and that was that, that meeting was when I wanted to raise my hand in favor of the piece of legislation and the Speaker of the Senate refused to call on me, but he called on everyone else in the room. And so I was like, okay, well, if I can't say my piece at <laughs> the Senate meeting, I'm just going to write an article about it. And so that's what I did.
2: Lee Garrison said the secrecy is important and fun for students. It's like a secret ballot that protects machine reps when they make unpopular decisions about who should run for president.
0: Well. Jim over here at the Deak House did, and Joe over here at the Fagham House did, and Jane over here at the K. So where I'm going with that is, is because the decision's made in secret, just like we make our decisions in, for, for office in, on a secret ballot, I think this is the same reason. Retribution, I don't like you anymore because you didn't support my person. I'm not going to do business with you anymore because you didn't support my candidate. We're not going to be friends anymore. Hopefully, it doesn't get to. We're not going to stay married anymore. <laughs> you know, you didn't vote for this candidate, did you? I mean, seriously, that's a little too far, obviously, with marriage. But, but, but the friendships, and I'm not going to do business with you. I mean, I don't tell people who I vote for for president of the United States. I don't tell people. I mean, sometimes I I come out and support candidates, you know, that I believe in.
1: Thanks for listening to Greek Gods. It's produced by Amy Yerkanen and co-hosted by John Archibald for Reckon. Our theme song is Where the Cottonmouths Hung by the Delicate Cutters. The logo was designed by Robin Hammondtree. You can find all four episodes and other material on iTunes, Google Play, and at al.com slash Reckon. If you like this podcast, you can follow Reckon on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. In the next episode, we're going to talk about racism and whether you can beat the machine without becoming the machine.
2: Who wants to the king of Able Country?
1: Stay tuned.